Hello, Recovery Fam, and welcome back to the Unashamed Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, Drew. And this is Season 4, Episode 42, where we're talking about Confrontation of the Spirits with Pastor Jennifer Miller. And I'm your special guest host. <laughs> I'm Paul. Today's episode, we're taking a, a deep dive looking at spiritual warfare, inner healing, deliverance, all from the abiding free course. So, without further delay, roll that intro. The Unashamed Recovery Podcast. The Unashamed Recovery Podcast with Josh and Drew starts now. Here at Unashamed Recovery, we believe that there is healing in the story of our scars and that it is okay to not be okay. It is our mission to break the shame and stigma of addiction in recovery by sharing real stories of real addiction from real people in real recovery and real sobriety. And you know, when we're not sharing those real stories, those testimonies, we like to bring you recovery topics straight from a biblical perspective. That's just like today's episode, taking a look at a familiar or maybe a not so familiar recovery topic and looking at it from another angle. Today's episode, we are looking at spiritual warfare and inner healing and deliverance. That's a lot. That's a mouthful. Confrontation so, of the spirit. <laughs> this episode comes after, I reckon you would say some... Uh, some intervention from the Holy Spirit because this episode is a product of our good friend Palmer and also comes from Nikki, who I saw in a matter of a week, both of them talking about this one thing on Facebook. And it led me to our guest today, Miss Jennifer Miller. She's got a PhD in psychology and she is a counselor and she has a master's in divinity. I can't believe I remember all that. She does this course, for lack of better words, at the Point Church in Brandon called Abiding Free, correct? Yes. Man, I am on a roll today, Drew. Don't stop me now. Anyway. I'm surprised you remembered her name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm horrible with names. You're right. It is surprising. So, Jennifer, it is so glad to have you on the show to talk about this because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people out there in the recovery community, the faith recovery community, that is so much like myself where we are not educated enough on this topic. And after hearing Palmer talk about this and after seeing Nikki post about this on Facebook, I, I think it is time for us to dive into this, to break this down and to let more people know about it. Because me and Drew and so many of our listeners come from that Celebrate Recovery background. And I'm pretty sure that the, this course, as we were just talking about, kind of steps off of Celebrate Recovery as a foundation and builds upon that. And so for our listeners, let's just go back to what we were talking about earlier. This course, Abiding Free. It's about spiritual warfare. Kind of tell our listeners, what is spiritual warfare? So spiritual warfare is something that is addressed in every book of the New Testament. It is a part of the Christian walk because we recognize that there is something else happening besides what we can perceive with our senses. There is something that is happening in the spiritual realm right alongside what we can see, feel, hear, taste in the physical realm. And 
it's easy for us to focus on the positive side where we're, we recognize the Holy Spirit and we recognize angels and we know that there's a heaven and that, you know, there's the positive side of the spiritual realm. But we also know from scripture that there's an enemy to the Lord. There is a whole other side of that warfare, yep. of that battle that is working to circumvent the will of God. That is, um, as Paul wrote, prowling around like a lion, just waiting to pounce and devour um, I think especially believers because, you know, Christians are the ones who beget more Christians. And so if we're going to spread the gospel and, um, and, and bring people to Christ, uh, then, of course, the enemy is going to want to interfere with that and disrupt that. And so oh, yeah. if he can either um, get us distracted, um, make us back down because he's scaring us or overwhelming us or um i've also seen just the deception that takes place uh, within our culture creeping into the church where there's some christians who you know they don't they don't even know if they believe in things like demons so it's it's a reality to me as far as our christian walk and so much in today's uh, church culture we're, we're, we're getting away from biblical truth. We see so much in the in social media and just all over of churches preaching things from the pulpit that is not biblical. Absolutely. And so most definitely, spiritual warfare, you know, is, is one of the things. I, I, I talk about this not a lot, but I talk about, especially in our men's step, uh, st- uh, open share group at Sober Recovery, about how my recovery and spiritual warfare has a direct connection but i want to pause right there because we were just talking before we hit record and we were talking about demons Mm -hmm. and uh christians drew uh what what do you think about that before before i go into what we were just talking what, what, what do you think about it as far as spiritual warfare and And the the demons and, and, and christianity I feel like that is definitely something that uh, most Christians face and they don't even realize it. I think it happens right after we decide to turn our lives over. Um, I think that we face our greatest battles as soon as we get baptized or as soon as we decide we want to get saved. Um, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that are trying to drag us backwards, but you know, God's fighting the battle for us. But at some point, we got to realize that we have to fight too, you know. And I think that. Mm. Um, a lot of Christians kind of just say, well, you know, that's just the way the world is instead of saying, hey, well, I could be the change that needs to happen in the world. Y'all know my favorite slogan, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And I think that, you know, this is something that really opens up my mind uh, as far as a different method for healing. I think a lot of people don't have a lot of inner healing. I think they think they have inner healing. I think they they find... um, they find a Band-Aid to inner healing, and then they kind of ride that Band-Aid until it falls off, and then you next they thing you know, they're right back yes. in a, another cycle. You don't of, go to the root. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that same thing with addiction, you know, and that's why a lot of people end up going back. They don't invest enough, and they end up going, you know, that, that root never gets taken out, and so mm-hmm. it just kind of grows back, yep. you know, and I think yep. that's spiritual warfare is definitely important. Definitely important. I think I fight a battle on a daily basis, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, as far as dealing with anger and uh, some other things. Matter of fact, I was talking to Josh about that before everybody pulled up. (laughs) (laughs) Was the fact that, you know, I'm having some issues, you know, and it's just with anger. That's that's the one residing thing that I just cannot shake for some reason. 
And so I'm definitely interested in hearing more. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I didn't know if I was allowed to talk, but I'm going to jump in and just yeah. say that pa- pa- I totally, uh, yeah, Palmer's here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. How are you? Um, I totally understand that. And, and as somebody who has been through the, the, the program, um, I can completely confess I did not understand until going through this just how much a spirit of anger can be on you and you just not you just kind of under you, you kind of think and maybe it started out as a um generational curse yep uh you picked it up however you picked it up but it, the fact is that like it gets on you and it resides and, and it just and it stays yep and until you address it the way it's somebody like, like jennifer you can't wash off that's man. right until you, address <laughs> it, until you address it with somebody or the way somebody like jennifer does man i I can't. I can't tell you how how just right it feels once mm-hmm. once you go through the abiding free class. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and right. then, then session—it's just absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, we're now a three-co-host podcast. <laughs> uh, you're hearing it for the very first time right here. Uh, <laughs> I'm retiring after today. <laughs> so to backtrack just a little bit, and then we're going to come back to what Palmer was just talking about. So. Just a few minutes ago, we were talking about how demons and Christianity. Because we, we started that topic, and I, I, don't, I don't want to get away from that too much without addressing it. You know, I've never been one to to think that a Christian can have the demonic attachment there because, you know, if we're under Christ. So to go through this is going to be uh, to be huge for me because I, I, I want to – I never denied it. I just – I've never had mm-hmm. any other teaching. So I, I'm very eager to go through this and to – to listen and to learn about this. So to go back forward to what Palmer was talking about, everything that we're talking about today is from this abiding, abiding free. Just tell our listeners, what is this program that that you're teaching at the point in Brandon, Mississippi? When it comes to abiding free, it starts out with a three-week class. And that three-week class is an introduction to what is spiritual warfare. And the way that it's designed is it kind of works like a funnel where for people who've already had some background, some understanding, the first lesson is probably things that they've heard before, you know, but with each of those lessons, it gets more and more specific. So when we talk about the armor of God and our role in spiritual warfare, that's lesson two. So that's where we're going to be in Ephesians 6. We're going to talk about what does that look like? What does that mean? Uh, And then in the third lesson, we get even more specific about what are these enemy spirits? How do they have the ability to afflict Christians. Uh, What does that look like? What does that mean? So that in preparation for receiving then a ministry session, which is then one-on-one with, well, one-on-one as far as you're the only one there receiving ministry. There's a leader, whether it's myself, there's also a few other trained leaders, um, and then we'll have one or two intercessors in the room. But it's all about you and going through, and we do it in two parts. That's why we call it inner healing and deliverance, is we start with inner healing. We start with by praying and binding up everything. In this first part, we don't want anything from the enemy um, intervening or interfering. We want to invite the Holy Spirit to um, guide us to those places where, take us to the root. So um, whether it's processing a memory, whether it's um, working on forgiveness, whether it's uh, inviting the Lord to bring peace where there's just something unresolved and lacking peace. And that that can take 
two, three hours. I've, I've, uh, I've had some people where it takes multiple kind of two, three hour sessions just to get through the inner healing. It just depends upon your pacing and your background gotcha. and also how much healing you've already done, you know, already through maybe other counseling or celebrate recovery and things like that. But once we, you know, get through the inner healing, which I like to compare to EMDR, it's very, very similar for anybody who's aware, familiar with EMDR. Or, okay. So mm-hmm. let's pause right there. For those that are not aware, what is EMDR? EMDR is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And it is a form of, of counseling psychotherapy that is trying to help you almost like rewire the trauma, traumatized uh, parts of your mind that hold the, the trauma memories. And it is activating particular um, brain structures mm-hmm. that are related to what we call episodic memory. Um, episodic memory is where you store your experiences. That's not the part of your memory where you store facts like your social security number and your address and things like that. Completely different part of the Completely brain. Completely different part of the brain. And so would this be like trauma release? Yes. Yes. So I've seen some people go through like a physical trauma release with like massage. Mm-hmm. They uh, do like the yoga or and all that kind of stuff. Not really into so much yoga. I, I reckon, for lack of better words, we'll go with yoga. But they go into these, you know, like a, a posture and it gives them that trauma release, like a physical. Like Are you, you just, talking about psoas release? Like um, David Berselli traumatic uh, trauma release it, exercises? It may be. I, yeah. My ignorance like on this. sits in the center and like you roll your body around. Well, from my from my ex- my experience and my training with uh, David Braselli's model of trauma release therapy, which I've also done as a psoas release method, um, where you can use similar like yoga postures in order to um, activate the psoas muscle in order to basically shake. So you know when we're scared and we're startled and we have that tremoring. You know, we've socially conditioned ourselves to suppress that. But if you watch a child, if you watch a dog, they shake out their trauma. Mm. Um, but we suppress it and it gets stored uh, in places like our psoas muscle. And so there's there's two approaches to trauma. One is top down, where that's your traditional cognitive behavioral therapy, where you're just going after thoughts. Whereas you have the bottom up, which is what you're talking about, where you're actually trying to get into the body. Mm. And EMDR is considered a part of that bottom gotcha. up type therapy because you're trying to go into the spaces in the actual brain, you know, where... Gotcha. Um, Because you're trying to get more into the limbic system, the hippocampus, the parahippocampus. Um, And from my understanding of what I'm doing in inner healing, it's the same thing. But instead of you having your eyes open and following my finger or a pencil, I have you actually close your eyes and we find Jesus. And we invite Jesus into those mental pictures. Because the past doesn't exist anymore except for the mental pictures you have in your mind Mm. and the emotions that are contained within them. And so if we can bring that mental picture up, and I even tell people, you don't have to relive it. We can pause it. But if you act, what we're doing is we're going to that part of your mind that is holding that trauma. And then we're inviting Jesus to step into it. Hmm. That's interesting. Because, you know, so many times hear about people doing some inner work and some healing and they start thinking about the trauma mm-hmm. they end up um, almost reliving every aspect of it from the pain the fear where everything they felt matter of fact I have you know I, I do some th- you know go to therapy myself mm-hmm. and then talking to my therapist about some of the things that I've experienced it was just like I was all doing it all over again 
you know, and it just put me back in the same, like, I don't know, it was almost like I'd made so many advances forward mm -hmm. that just kind of took me all the way back. And so I had this big gap that I'm making out of where I was for a second, you know, but now I'm sitting here 12 again, mm -hmm. looking at the same kind of issue that I was at 12, yeah. you know, not knowing how to do it. And that's why we do it the way we do it, because we want, I actually address the child in the memory and I will speak, so I would speak to 12-year-old Drew, and, right. I would, and I would say, so what is 12-year-old Drew, like, what are you feeling? And I would say, you know, where's Jesus in this moment? Because what we're doing is we're healing your quote-unquote imagination, because your imagination is basically just the part of your brain that allows you to pull your pictures back up. Right. You know, you're not, so we're not playing pretend. We're actually ministering to the images in your mind, and the, this image in your mind, there's still a piece of you that feels 12 years old. And if we can find Jesus and invite that 12-year-old to give that pain to Jesus or to, you know, receive the peace. So that's why it's so important because that part of you that needs to forgive and release is still 12 years old. Right. You today, you can decide in your mind that you want to forgive, but there's still a piece of your mind and your heart that hasn't released that debt and allowed Jesus to make you whole. Because that's what forgiveness is, is I have a debt. Somebody did something to me. They owe me, but we can't go back and undo it. So the only one who can pay that is Jesus. And mm. he died on the cross to pay for that debt too. And so right. if I'm willing to give Jesus this debt that this person can't pay back, Jesus will make me whole. And I will speak from my own experience, the trauma memories I had to process through my own inner healing and deliverance. These are memories that were so triggering that my mind actually created a phobia to protect me from even getting close to those memories. That's I, where I am right now. Okay. So, and so, like, so the, the one thing that gets me, and I'm, this is a random one, snakes. Mm -hmm. Like, <clears throat> I was like 10, you know, and I know this shouldn't be a session in the middle of the show, <laughs> but <laughs> you said that and I just mm -hmm. kind of jogged this memory, you know, of me walking across a snake. It was a, a, about an eight foot rattlesnake, mm -hmm. you know, at 10 years old. Now I'm deathly afraid of snakes because I watched my dad's reaction to that. You know, he was just like, he freaked out. And so that's what I live out every time that I see another snake. So now I have a phobia of snakes, right. you know, and it's, and it's that where, but it's protection. It is. You know, I feel like I'm protecting myself by keeping myself away, mm -hmm. you know, but there's so many aspects that I do that in, mm -hmm. you know, um, I have social anxiety because I don't trust people, mm -hmm. you know, in a nutshell. And so it's just always, I find myself in like group settings where I find myself distancing myself. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's verbally, sometimes it's with that little bit of anger, that little bit of push mm -hmm. off. Uh, but, you know, you just find yourself doing these things, and it's a phobia that we've created. Wow. Yeah. Because I can now, <laughs> the same memories that my mind was guarding me against, uh, I can now bring to mind, and they don't have any trigger at all on me. Right. Like, and this is something that, in you know, Palmer can, can address this too, that I won't leave a memory until it feels resolved and peaceful. And a lot of times people will describe it the same way my memories are, where it's almost like whitewashed slightly, like, or, or I'm looking at it and I know it happened, but I'm not, I don't have an emotional tie to it anymore. So when I think about it, I'm not reliving it anymore because all I have now is peace about it. And that's what we're looking for is mm. almost like we're going in and deactivating all of those landmines 
that still exist in your mind and your heart that trigger these either mental reactions or emotional reactions to different things. Man. She's not kidding. She she will stay with that memory and that picture in your head <laughs> or whatever until she knows it because she can feel it. Right. Like she she is so in tune, you know, when she starts this session that with with our our father that she can feel when it's not done. Mm-hmm. You know, during my session she was like there was a spirit. I don't even remember which one it was, but there was a spirit that had not been addressed yet, and she's like, "We can't move on until you know I figure out what spirit is still lingering." Mm-hmm. And she's not going to move on from a, a memory. She's not going to move on from a spirit or whatever until she knows that right. we have that she's cleared it. That God has come in. That Jesus has come in and cleared that. Yeah. Bam. And I think this might be the good time for me to explain how Christian can be demonized. Yeah. Because. That, that'll help bring some of this into, into sense, too. So I was raised evangelical. Um, anybody who watched the Jesus Revolution movie, I went to Calvary Chapel. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that's the church I was raised in. Uh, but they didn't teach about spiritual warfare. And so I didn't know anything about demons, spiritual attack, anything like that. Um, my mom told me, you know, growing up, Christians can't can't be demon-possessed. Um uh, because we have the Holy Spirit. And so then when I underwent my major intense spiritual attack, it was Christmas Eve 2011. Um, when I came out of that, I was terrified and went, what was that? I need answers. Went to the church I was attending at the time. Nobody had answers for me. And that's where I ended up. The Lord um, gracefully led me in the right direction because there's a lot of kooky things out there. Um, and I understand people who've had bad experiences with deliverance. I I would tell you, just like I wouldn't just say, hey, just randomly pick a church out of a phone book and go to it. Same thing with deliverance. Don't just randomly just go to deliverance. You know, do, do your due diligence um, because they're, they're not all the same. But what I, what I came to realize was the translation of being demon-possessed, um, it actually should be switched the other way around. Um, it should be that you possess a demon okay. because uh, the way... My pastor, Pastor Jim, puts it, he says, a Christian can have a demon, but a demon cannot have a Christian. And that's because we are technically already possessed by the Holy Spirit. And so the best picture I have is the same one Paul uses to describe us as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, if you go back to the temple, the second temple, which he's using as his reference point for that metaphor, Mm -hmm. there was the inner sanctum, the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God was. That's the space that only the priests could go in once a year after going through the cleansing, right? And because you were now in the presence of God. That is now for us the equivalent of our spirit because his spirit dwells with our spirit. That is now Mm -hmm. the Holy of Holies. The presence of God dwells inside of our spirit. Um, one of my favorite verses is in Romans. His spirit testifies with my spirit. I'm a child of God. That's how I know I'm saved, right? His spirit is there. But just like the physical temple, we still have outer courts, which we would call our flesh. And mm. our flesh is the part where demons can still afflict us. So the, if you remember the story of Jesus driving out the money changers and overturning the, the tables, those were in the temple courts. Not in the inner. Not in the Holy of Holies. Holies. 
but they were still within the courts. So clearly there were things that were being allowed to transpire that shouldn't have been transpiring even within the courts. I have never thought about that. So that's basically this, the equivalent of our flesh. Yeah. And so how can demons afflict us? They can afflict us physically. They can afflict um, us emotionally. They can, and they can afflict us mentally. So the way that you can experience it and start to discern is amplification. When you know you're overreacting, when you know that you're feeling more anger or more fear than is warranted, that is proportional to the situation or the trigger, that's usually a sign that there's something there that's ramping you up. Um, another one is honestly self-talk. Um, you know, that old cartoon depiction of an angel and a demon on your shoulders, it's not too far off from reality. You have the Holy Spirit speaking truth, but then you have this other voice that you have to contend with that's going to give you really bad ideas <laughs> that's going to um, that's tempt you that's yeah. going to tell you how horrible you are and how lo- unlovable you are and how unworthy you are or like with my experience it's intrusive thoughts but what happened to me on December 24 2011 was um, all of a sudden I had this thought that I should kill myself mm. and I went and like my response was because at this point I thought this was still me talking to me, right? Um, internal dialogue, right? Uh, and I said, "Wait, no! Like, I, I nothing. Like, why would I kill myself? Like, nothing's you know happened." And all of a sudden, it was like, "No, you need to kill your. I need to kill myself because they, they'll talk to you in first person. I need to kill myself." And all of a sudden, I had these intrusive images in my mind of different ways of me being dead. I saw, I saw myself hanging in my closet. I saw myself in my bathtub with my wrist slit. I saw myself on the floor with a pill bottle. And it was startling. Mm. And I went, what is this? What is happening to me? And that's when I had to go on my journey of like, what's attacking? Like, where is this coming from? Um, and that's what I've come to realize was that was a spirit of death. And that spirit of death, um, for me, had been with me my whole life. Um, but that particular day, it was one of those days where it decided to pounce. And uh, because I had given it a little bit of attention, I had, you know, um, well, let me ask you fed this. into it. So do we pick these up at certain points in our life or are they always there? It depends. Yeah. So, so that answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes and. Both yes and. and. I feel like I, that was, like I was telling Paul. Bro, I feel like, awesome. You know, I picked for up me. things from people. Mm-hmm. You know, just from being around them. Not yep. even having a whole conversation, but, you know, just shaking hands. You know, just having interaction with people yeah. that are not, you know, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? They don't follow mm-hmm. biblical, you know, standards sure you know so I, so you just find, I find myself kind of almost going with some of the stuff that they do mm-hmm. you know uh the language they use or sure you know and stuff like that and you're just kind of like why do, why am i even speaking this way mm-hmm. that's not that's not my normal talk right you know and then here i am you know kicking it up with the good good you know good old boys yeah. or whatever <laughs> however you want to put it but yeah yeah so it's just you find yourself and i just always wondered like how how many spirits are you bringing in from mm-hmm. how many you know just random people off the street right so, so um there's different ways that you can you can kind of pick up a demon that now has the ability to afflict you and i i use affliction um it can amp up to oppression 
especially if you continue to agree with it and it's almost like you're feeding it um full subjugation which we would call demon possession christians cannot be possessed but that's where like the man that jesus cast the the spirits out into the pigs yeah or the things you see in hollywood right or like the man in Ohio who Palmer. just executed his children in his front yard. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the house. We're the house. Mm. And that if, if, you rem- if you remove that, but then that demon comes back and it's empty, right, then it can bring seven more back. So that's why I don't do inner healing and deliverance on anybody but believers because I don't want to leave you worse off, you know, yeah. because if you if you don't have the Holy Spirit, well, then... The demon and his seven buddies can come in and uh, and take up residence. Yeah. And so um, when we are, are talking to believers, really the key is recognizing your authority. And one of the most effective challenges I have to spirits that want to resist being cast out of somebody um, is who does this person belong to? And I will make, you know, wait on answer. Who does this person belong to? And that spirit has to admit you belong to Jesus. Okay, then. So you are a trespasser. You have no right to be here. You need to leave. And that's how we deal with it. Mm -hmm. And so the term I use in a session and I address in the third lesson of the class um, is legal rights. But it's legal as far as spiritual law. So there are rules to what they can do. Read the story of Job, right? Like God puts rules on this thing. So one of the ways that we can pick up demons is we can be born with them. Um, It's bloodline curses. I've never heard that. Yeah, bloodline curses is a big one. Um, And especially since being in the South... I see a lot of bloodline curses through uh, familial associations with things like Freemasonry, mm. um, gang affiliation. Um, I've also seen it through just, uh, I don't know, just other things that uh, witchcraft, so hoodoo, voodoo, um, counterfeit religions, like those sorts of things can be passed on in the bloodlines. Ooh, ooh, can I say something? Yes. Please, please do. So, uh, you know, the one that, that really got me. Just mute my mic and you just, you just no, take no, over. No. The one that really got me would get you too. Sexual partners. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Soul ties. One of my, one of my biggest soul one. ties comes yeah. from a sexual partner. And somebody mm-hmm. I literally spent uh, 10 years off and on with. Mm-hmm. And I needed to, even though we're still friends, we didn't cut that tie off of the friendship there's a healthy friendship there still with me and her but the soul tie Mm -hmm. of what you know had us bound together like we had to get rid of that and i knew i knew that was one of the very first things that needed to happen when i went went in there she started talking about soul ties i was like yep Mm -hmm. we need to get rid of that one but i'm you know i've I've never been certain Mm -hmm. that they have been you know not saying that i don't believe in prayer I, I, i know for a fact prayer works yeah flat out let me just get that clear but, you know, it's just something that I never really prayed on a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know how effective that was, right. you know. Right. So, yes, definitely I have yeah. some soul ties. Yeah, soul ties, <laughs> yeah. And that's, so the way that the, the image I have of soul ties is it opens up like a conduit with you and this other person that whatever's on them can be uh, shared with you or at least affect you and then vice versa. Uh, and so, but soul ties... Most people think of um, sexual behaviors, which is, yes, that's how soul ties can be formed. But there's other ways of forming soul ties. Um, 
parents and children have soul ties. Um, Interesting. You know, so, you know, when it comes to friendships, certain friendships can develop a soul tie. Look at the story of Jonathan and David in the Old mm. Testament. They formed a soul tie. The verse actually says their their souls knitted together. Um, and so you can form a soul tie through um, submission, you know, to authority, uh, through commitments, agreements, you know, that sort of thing. So it's it's where you are getting that See, soul Palmer, deep connection. It, and you're trying to make it all about sexual relations, Palmer. And <laughs> That's probably she, the quickest way saying, to do it, though. And, and, <laughs> and she's over here talking about all these other ways. And there you, are other ways. It's always about sex for you, Palmer. It, my it, goodness. It, it definitely asked my wife. It's all about sex for me. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, that's that's something that... I related to the it's most, the and I know that, that you can relate to the most because our stories are a lot alike. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> well, so, and I know we have we've kind of gotten off a little bit, but how would a person My know bad. if they have gotten a soul tie to somebody? Is there a, I hate to throw out the word, a symptom. Right. But it's almost copied behavior, isn't it? Mine's, yeah. a, mine's a tick. <laughs> no, it what it's it's usually you can sense that a soul tie is there because there's this connection that you feel you it, it's a it's a deeper kind of connection. It's an awareness. Uh it's a almost like an attunement like you can still be attuned to them. Uh you know, and and those those soul ties can, you know, be weakened over time and things like that but until they're they're cut off uh they can still be kind of an open source of things where uh well let me share this so my my mother-in-law she passed away this august will be a year and my husband was the one who went with her when she went in and out of the hospital many times over that year and i started to feel off i started to feel like almost kind of confused at times, or at least just bothered by things. And when I sat and talked with him, what it was is I was vibing it off of him because he actually in and out of the hospital and doing all these things with his mother had picked up a spirit of death, but also a spirit of chaos, chaos. So I was vibing off the spirit of chaos in particular, and it was through the soul tie that I was feeling it. And so there's times where you may have an open soul tie that that other person may be going through something or afflicted by something and you start to feel off. You start to feel something and you may not recognize it. Now I was able to cuz it's my husband and I'm, you know, um seeing it, but yeah, until he actually went in and talked to the pastor and the pastor's the one who who helped get rid of the chaos and the death and I felt it as soon as that chaos left. It was like the Man. soul tie got cleansed like oh, it was wow. like whoo okay that thing's gone now thank you because i just didn't like that feeling so Man, that is it's interesting very interesting and also i want to ride to my back right now <laughs> i also want to make say, i am the uh spirit of chaos thanks it's for having me on the show it's just the shirts. so, so are, we, are we changing you from the happy american to the to the spirit of chaos I like that. I like that a lot. The spirit of chaos. Are we doing Nefarious 2.0? Like, <laughs> part two. I almost, uh, wa- I almost watched that movie the other day, Jennifer Nefarious, and I was like, I need need to pray before I watch this movie. I'll, I'll explain Nefarious to you. It's 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 actually so we, one well, of the it's actually one of the best, well, Palmer, most accurate is it movies I've seen. You said oh. that though. So how much do we get from music from TV? Mm-hmm. Because like, you know. Like you, that, that people live that. 
that's right. a, that's another thing. Like for me, I ha- I had uh, a spirit uh, of um, God. What what is what what spirit is it? Uh, uh, pride. Mm-hmm. I, my spirit of pride came from performance. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things Jennifer said to me was, "Look, I know that you're a worship leader, and you sing in our church, and you have your own Christian band and stuff like that. And you're going to have to keep this one in check. This is the one you're going to have to make sure that." You know, so now before I, I step on a stage or, or lead worship, I make sure to pray and just ask God, look, make please make sure this is all about you and not about me, because I don't need that spirit of pride coming back at me. Right. So you being a drummer as well, like we, we get we do kind of feel prideful after we put on a good quote unquote show. Like if I if you played your I'm best, I'm not even going to lie. Exactly. There'll be you times your like I, I have a killer field or something and I'm just like. I did that. No, and I had nothing to do with it. You <laughs> know, right. but I mean, you're like, I did it. You well, know? I mean, but how, the whole time. But yeah, how many times have we gone and we've given our testimony at a recovery group? Yeah, and at the very end, we've had an altar call, and you you had five people come down, and and they, you feel like they, they, fat, you. they yeah, and you're like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. ah, my yep. story was so good, I had seven people come. Ah. You know, and it's like, yeah. yep, I didn't have seven. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was something yeah. that God, you know, allowed me to go uh-huh. through. You were so a vessel. Build, yeah, so I could yeah. be able to come speak. Yeah. So I would say, so that's one of the other categories of just kind of how we can uh, open up ourselves to, to demonic affliction is uh, there's, I'll, I'll have two categories, unconsciously inviting and then consciously inviting. So unconsciously inviting, it usually comes where you wallow in things. I'm going to hold on to this unforgiveness. I'm going to hold on to this grudge. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to wallow in self-pity. I'm going to wallow in my depression. And it's mm-hmm. where we're, we're not supposed to stay there. Okay, but when so I sit there and I just <laughs> soak in it and wrap myself up in it and, and I'm agreeing in my mind with things that if I were sober-minded in that moment would acknowledge isn't true. And I'm so glad you brought up the the self pity because that is a slippery slope for people in recovery because we woe is me, I had this rock bottom, this happened, this you know, they, they and they they constantly live in it and they never wanna get out of it. Mm-hmm. All, you know, and you I've seen some people where they don't want to get out because it brings them attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in while they stay inside it. And so... Also excuses. Yes. <laughs> yes. People like to be able to justify oh, what no. they're well, you doing. You said something to me. That, well, you said something mm-hmm. that I, that I kind of, you know, it hit home when you said people who wallow in unforgiveness. And I am bad about holding a three-day grudge, a week grudge. I mean, mm-hmm. I, eventually I'll forgive them. But, you know, I feel like holding on to that, that just feeds that anger spirit. You know, that just feeds whatever Absolutely. the angst or the, that uncontrollable rage that you feel sometimes that's inside. I feel like that just yeah. feeds that because the more negative stuff you hold on to against people, yeah. Yeah. you know, that. Well, I've also seen, too, things like where people will hold on to their shame and their guilt. And I'll, for, for two different reasons that are both unbiblical. One is to keep themselves in check. That somehow I need that shame and that guilt to remind me of what I've done so I don't go out and do it again. And the other one that's unbiblical is I need to hold on to this because it was so bad I need to pay for it. 
And yeah. the danger with both of those is you're not trusting the Lord, right? You're not receiving his forgiveness. You're not receiving regeneration. You're not putting to death the old man and rising up into this new creation. But also, you know, we're supposed to trust that what Christ did on the cross was more than enough. And so mm. that's one of those dangerous things that if I hold on to it saying, but I need to be punished. Yeah. And I'll look at him and go, so Jesus dying on the cross in your place wasn't enough? Yeah. You, you need to be put up there too? Because yeah. I'm, I'm not willing to look at Christ and say you weren't enough. Mm. You know? Whew. Hmm. And Welcome shame. to the show, Jennifer Miller. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, the, the shame and the guilt... There's a reason why we named the, the show is named. <laughs> named <laughs> like, you know, I I have talked with a lot of people in recovery that deal with shame, and me myself have dealt with a lot of shame. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, my story is that of a 23-year porn and sex addiction that ultimately ended in adultery, and I beat myself up a long time. And lived in that shame. And I could not forgive myself mm-hmm. for a very long time. And I eventually got to a place where I could look at myself in the mirror and actually 100% mean, I forgive you, I love you. Mm-hmm. And But to overcome that shame, for a long time, I would not tell people. I hid behind. I, I wouldn't tell people what I was in recovery for. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, through a lot of work through Celebrate Recovery, I'm able to get in front of people and tell them, hey, this is what I've done, but this is how I've overcome it through Jesus Christ. And so that shame, yeah. Well, the first lesson in the follow-up class, I developed a, an abiding free next level class, is uh, living unfree. And I address that, that, you know, Isaiah 61, which Jesus quotes when he starts his ministry, that he came to proclaim freedom to the captives, liberty to those who are bound. And the picture the Lord gave me is he came and he opened that prison door, but we choose to keep sitting in the prison. And for many of us, that prison is shame. It is, it is an unseen prison. And he wants us to be free of that, that in him, we are not put to shame. And so embracing our identity and embracing our authority, those are the two most important pieces of effective spiritual warfare. And it's something I really try to emphasize to people because if you're going to remain free after you're, you know, basically we're, you're going to come in, we're going to tent your house and we're going to get all of that out of there. <laughs> um, so then how do we keep it clear? Yeah. And, and that's it, is you have to stand in your identity in Christ and who he's made you to be, and you have to stand in your authority. Luke 10, he gave us all authority to tread on serpents and scorpions that they have to listen to us when we command them to leave us alone. And all the weapons of our warfare, understanding what those are, Ephesians 6, 2 Corinthians 10, and taking them seriously. They're not just ideas. They're real things right. that we need to use daily. Whew. Man, I hope y'all had the volume turned up on that part. If not, <laughs> go backwards. Go, go back. Crank it all the way and Crank up. the volume up. Because uh, some of us need to hear that more than others, that, me included. So that that is, man. So. I, I wait, wish wait. Let me jump in here. Your story did not 
end with shame. Your story ended with redemption because your wife is awesome. Well, I didn't say it ended with shame. Well, well however he said it. I'm just saying. He said it, it ended. You said it came to an end. I'm like, no, it didn't. It didn't I, will, I, I can there. co-host it all the time if, if I can watch you two go at it like this. <laughs> I promise. I'm t- I'm, this is the only episode I'm talking on. Okay. I, well, only, be, only because I only This is number two little, there, Palmer. And he, don't live in denial. He'll, he'll say this. He'll say the exact same thing next episode. Right. Nope, I'm not coming. <laughs> but... But yes, my story is ends in redemption for one through Jesus Christ, and also because my wife is awesome. And I, I tell people because I've had so many people come to me who have, are in a similar situation that I was in, and their wives, me and my wife stayed. Mm-hmm. Me and my wife are still married. We're about to hit eleven years. We got three daughters. So many people come to me and that's in the same situation, and their wives did not stay and they left and I'm so fortunate that my wife is awesome thank mm-hmm. you Palmer and she stayed but a lot of that I think speaks volume with her relationship in Christ because I don't think she could have done that without him my wife would have shot me <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there well I will say so one category we haven't hit on is is active sin you know, um, in, uh, I want to say it's first Peter, but he says, do not make a practice of sinning. Those who make a practice of sinning are not of God. And that's something I like to point out is that, you know, if you go out and you tell a lie one time, are you going to go pick up a, a, a spirit? Probably not. But if you make a practice of it, if you become a habitual liar, then yes, you're going to pick up a spirit of deception. If you lose your temper every now and then, are you going to pick up a spirit of anger? Probably not. But if you make a practice of being angry, you know, if you have a bad day, are you going to pick up a spirit of depression? Probably not. But if you make a practice of feeding into those depressed thoughts and those lies about who you are. So that's the issue with um, actively consciously inviting them in. And it's the things we know we shouldn't be doing. It's it's messing with Ouija boards and getting into the occult and things like that. Um, it's sinning, actively sinning. So whenever I have individuals who come in and there is any kind of sexual spirit, which I will tell you probably over 90 percent all of us they're, they're just there is um but uh the ones though who have a background where it's coming from you know pornography or something like that i will warn them this door has a weak latch mm-hmm. yes if you do not manage it if you do not tend to it you're going to just flood stuff back in you know that's one of the reasons why when people come in who are not married who are living uh in a sexual relationship a sexually active relationship i'll say i i don't know how much i can get you free of because you're asking me to clean out the house while the back door's wide open yeah you know so it's one of those things where it's like okay but you're making a practice of sinning and that's that's a major foothold so it's, it is about choices, you know, and, and like Jesus said, go and sin no more. You know, that's for our benefit. It's for well, our own And that's also why one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Absolutely. Oh. Hey, Jennifer, on a uh, completely unrelated <laughs> topic, uh, can you do multiple sessions? Yes. That's good. I'll call you later. Okay. Honestly, <laughs> 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 I feel like I need to set up a couple. At this yeah, point. Most definitely. <laughs> yeah. But so 
we covered a lot. Yes. And I'm pretty sure there's more that we could cover. Uh, I wish we had so much more time than what we had because I'm pretty sure we could go into a much greater depth mm-hmm. in this. Um, there's a lot of areas that we have not even got into yet. Oh, uh, But one thing that I did want to ask, what does the freedom make? Like when somebody goes through this mm-hmm. at the end of it, how do they know I've been set free? Right. What What does that look like? Right. So I will tell you, there are people who walk out not free. And the reason they're not free is they're not willing to let go. Mm-hmm. They're trying to hold back. They're trying to hold on to their sin or their shame or what have you. And those are the ones who they, they do not walk out free. So the most effective sessions are the ones where people come in. They're like, Jesus can have it all. Here, what is it? What do you want me to confess, repent, forgive, release? I, I, I want more of him, and I'll, get, I'll give up whatever I need to give up. Those are the sessions where you get real meaningful freedom. And those are the people that walk out with their PTSD healed. Mm. With their depression Ooh. healed, with their anxiety healed, mm. those are the people who they are no longer bound. They by come in the invested. Mm-hmm. That's <clears throat> that's the whole you know. And I was I think we had a show uh, a couple of weeks back where I was talking about like if you don't invest mm-hmm. into something, then you're not going to get what you're looking for out of it. You right. know, like a lot of people they go into these weight loss programs, mm-hmm. but they're not really invested in it. You know, they want it to be this quick, easy fix kind of a deal mm-hmm. like oh well you know i stopped eating this and now i should be right 20 pounds lighter the next day that's not how it works you have to invest mm-hmm. in why'd you look at me when you said weight i loss just program? looked over <laughs> well, you, are, <laughs> you are kind of big where just anywhere you look you look at palmer that's true that's true well i will say though feel the for, room, for me and for for many people who've given me that feedback your mind is quieter I used to have this inner critic that just wanted to narrate all my mistakes, all my shortcomings, all my weaknesses. That voice is gone. And what I tell people is my goal is that the only voice left in your head is you and Jesus. And there is worth the price of a mission. mm -hmm. Yep. So you'll walk out feeling lighter. You will walk out feeling peace. Memories that you used to avoid like a plague, you can now pull up in your mind and say, yes, that happened. But then God. And it no longer bothers me. It's a part of my story. Right. and But it's really for his glory now because he's He's redeemed me from that. And so it is. It's a, it's a lightness. The burdens are gone. Uh, but here's the thing I try to warn people. This isn't a magic bullet. That what happens now is that verse that says, take every thought captive and submit it to Christ. It's now possible. That used, that verse used to stump me. I'd be like, what are you talking about? How, how do I like, take how all these thoughts? How do I do that? You can now do it. You can now grab those thoughts, those mental habits, and they're so much easier to retrain. CBT would now actually be a lot more effective because you're now just contending with your own mental habits and your mind is actually highly trainable. It doesn't take many times of redirecting your actual mind to tell it this is not what we're doing anymore. Whereas if you have a demon that's there that's sitting here feeding it, amplifying it, activating it, basically it's it's very difficult Mm -hmm, to do it's almost like a little newer blocker that says all right well Mm -hmm. this is this is your limit and that's where you're gonna stay yeah you know i think palmer has something i just want to know am i the only one sitting here listening wondering what cbt is because cognitive Cognitive behavior therapy 
Oh. Yes. I guess I am the only one here. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll tell you this. Thank is, you. Is cognitive behavioral therapy has become uh, quote-unquote evidence-based preferred treatment, especially for insurance companies. Um, in a lot of ways, it is helpful. In a lot of ways, it can do things. But as somebody who has 20 years of clinical experience, it also has its limitations. And that's why I ended up you know, exploring and, uh, and becoming versed in, in inner healing, even if I don't do the deliverance, even just the inner healing, because there, well, let me put it this way. So cognitive behavioral therapy, it goes after your thoughts, right? And your thoughts are produced by whatever you believe your belief system. Well, beliefs are formed one of two ways, either information, data, or experience. That's your semantic memory and your episodic memory, right? Well, if I have a, a belief that, say, I'm unlovable, right, and that's going to produce those thoughts that torment me, well, why do I have this belief that I'm unlovable? Well, because I was rejected. I was rejected by a parent. I was rejected by peers, whatever it is, right? I have this history of rejection. If I, that's stored in your episodic memory. So if I come at you with data, with information, that's not going to change because that's a different part of your brain. That's not going to replace and fix the belief that came from experience. It's why people can know one thing is true in their head, but feel something different in their heart. That's another symptom of it is, is when you have this battle between head and heart. And that's what this is meant to do is go into that place and actually bring healing and, and integration. And that's one of the limitations of CBT is I, I, I had people tell me all day long facts about the phobia I had. It never changed it. You, I could recite all the facts. I knew all of them, but I still panicked. That didn't stop that until I went into the source memory, invited Jesus into it, and he healed it. And now it's healed. And now it's gone. And now I don't have that belief or those thoughts. And it was Jesus that brought the healing down to its root and replaced it with truth and gave me peace. As a CR rep, Josh, uh, maybe you should start adding inner healing into the CR program. (laughs) Hey, I feel like us recovery people, we could really use. Sign me this. up. Well, and I mean, I'm like, I feel, like, I feel I'm like serious. So many sit, uh, sober recovery people would do so great because we've already, I mean, we, we've already done the groundwork. Well, I'll tell you, uh, we we've started having um, Rankin County Jail uh, bring trustees who've gone through CR and they're now coming for sessions, and they're some of the most powerful sessions because they're like, I got nothing. Here, you can have it all like you know and it's yeah. amazing they're just so so hungry to be free well so let me ask you this and just for people listening and for myself these sessions are they in a group is there is it a group going through this or is it just right. a one-on-one yeah because i know you touched on that a, few, a little bit earlier sure but it wasn't much yeah so it so is the format that we use is um like i said there's there's three lessons um and that that need to be done before doing a session um and sometimes Sometimes the session can be done in two or three hours. Um, sometimes we got to do do it do it over a couple. My my longest one was altogether nine or ten hours. That's my bad. That's not you. <laughs> <laughs> yet, yet you might supersede that one. Um, <laughs> but um, those are those are as an individual. So the the lessons um, I have mentored people through them one on one, and then done their session. Or we've done them in group settings. And so we will do them as a group, say, at our church. They'll do the lesson that way, the class that way, and then they'll come for their session. 
But what, what I'm not necessarily trying to do is drive everybody over to my church. Um, what I'm wanting to do is spread this and replicate this. And so I actually, um, my goal, my heart is to train up people. So people who yeah. are in ministry, who want to be able to add this, that's what I want to do is, and the, the starting point is for you to go through it yourself. Yeah. And so whether I am doing it one-on-one or in a group setting, as far as the class, um, you know, I can do that over Zoom or, you know, in person. You just answered a question I had. Mm-hmm. I try not to do, I try not to do sessions over Zoom um, for a couple reasons, but I can, but I try not to. But the lessons can the be. The lessons can be. That's what yes. I was about to ask about. Is it, can you do the lessons virtually and then? Yep. Yes, I've, I've done the lessons um, with, with people up in Olive Branch, with people up in, um, you know, uh, Kosciuszko, um Spokane, Washington. <laughs> yeah. So did they um, come down and like then, a face-to-face? Yes, and then the session we would do in person, um, okay. preferably. So we would do the, do that. And there's options, you know, yeah. as far as working that out. Um, and so those all run through then my, my ministry, jennifermillerministries.com. Um, you can find more information about Abiding Free and how to contact me um, on that. And so that's the first step. And so once people have gone through it, if they then want to be trained to do it, I require a minimum of two because I want people, if you want to lead it, great, but don't do ministry on your own. You need somebody to get trained right. up as an intercessor, if not a co-leader. So that's one of my requirements is that you have to have at least two of you. And then I want some kind of reference from a church because I don't want just, you know, Lone Rangers out there. <laughs> Um, yeah. But that process, you know, there I, I have it outlined. There's a document on my website about what the training uh, awesome. would look like. But that's my heart is replicate this. It, it doesn't have to be me. Like I'm, I'm not one who's trying to build up, you know, myself or my ministry um, as a as an individual. But rather, you know, the Lord has has given me something that. It's even grown beyond what I was originally trained with, and I think it's because of my background as a counselor, but also because um, it's really Holy Spirit-led. Um, yeah. And that's so important to the way that I do it, is what's the Holy Spirit doing here? And I also do it in a discipleship model. Uh, I, the first three years I did it on my own in Arizona, I did it. It was just me. I did one-and-done sessions. And people struggled to walk it out and maintain it because they didn't understand what it was. Uh, They didn't understand what was happening. They didn't understand how to stay free. And so um, over the last four years, I have developed it in more of a discipleship model because I really come to believe spiritual warfare is just part of our sanctification. It's part of our walk. It's the reality. Um, And so equipping people to be able to go out and do it. I also want to say this. I am not somebody who blames everything on the devil and we're not looking under every rock finding a demon. That is not what this is. I am also not trying to make people paranoid or terrified. This is about making you aware of just how the world works and how life works and then equipping you, training you in the armor you already have and just teaching you what to do with it so that... Just like, you know, Book of James, when you encounter the devil, what do we do? We resist him. And flee. And he flees. <laughs> and so it's that's my goal is to equip and empower people. Know who you are, know your authority, and know how to use it. And it's, it's funny you said you weren't trying to find a demon under every rock. Um, I saw a quote, and I cannot remember who said it. It, was, it may have just been a Facebook quote, but it said that uh, people out here thinking that they're under 
demonic attack while they're just actually having to deal with the outcome of their choices. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I just want to say that, like, for me personally, it was very, it gave me anxiety. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just being, I'm just, I'm not, I don't have anxiety issues, but going into my session gave me anxiety because I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to believe. You know, I didn't know what to think. And I, so I want, I want y'all's, I'm not saying ours. I'm not a part of this. This is my last session. Um, I want y'all's listeners to understand that this should not be something that, that feels scary. This should not be something that, um, you're too afraid to go do because look the bible told us that that we are soldiers in god's army we sang the song as children you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and so all all this is doing is teaching you how to use is training you you're a soldier you need to be trained and jennifer was trained to do this and now jennifer is is wanting to train others to do this because we all need this whether it's because we're in recovery or you know we're Maybe we're baby Christians and we're just starting the walk. This is a great thing to have because it's it basically is trying to erase your past and start new. Am I right, Jennifer? I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what it is. I mean, that's that's why you feel fresh if you walk in and you truly give it all, and you're completely open to everything that you're about to go through. When you leave there, it's like having, it's it's like being brand new. It's it's a feeling. It's a you are now a baby Christian again, basically, or a, a baby, but you're able, but with the knowledge of, okay, all the things that we read in the Bible, man, this was true, that yes, there are demons all over the place, that we are in a spiritual battle, but, you know, uh, finding a way to discern whether or not it is a spiritual battle mm-hmm. battle, or you just didn't put gas in the, in the car, you know? <laughs> Yes. Right. You know the, <laughs> de- the, the devil didn't make you run the out of gas. You, out you of just gas. ran out of gas because you didn't put you gas forgot. in the car. <laughs> I well, will agree though that remember that God, Yahweh, our Father, He's the Creator. So the enemy, no matter where you're talking about in the pyramid of hi- the hierarchy of the enemy forces, none of them can create anything. They can only counterfeit. And so that's something to remember with the enemy. He has to trick us. He has to deceive us. He has to make us afraid because that's where he gets his power that, you know, and so a lot of what we encounter, especially when we do get into the deliverance part, um, the ones who do want to push back, most of them at that point are too weak and and we can make them go really easily. uh, They'll bluff, you know, they'll, they'll bluff. They'll try to um, just scare you or what have you into, into thinking, um, that their lie is still true, but it's super easy to push back on because we have those weapons. And I have found not, not a hundred percent, but most of the time, and, and I can't remember Palmer, if your session was, if you can contend to this, but most of those demons, when they are, uh, identified when they're called out, they're like 12 year old boys. Yeah. So you, you we, <laughs> mine I are definitely up, 12 year old boys. <laughs> I end up talking to them like a mom. I'm like, Mm-mm, we're not doing that. You need to knock it off. Stop. Like, and that's a lot of how I'm talking to them is I I know my authority. And this is something I tell people. I don't have any more authority than you do. I just have more practice using it. Mm. So people watch what I do and they think they can't do it. Right. Mm -mm. I just have more practice with it. We all have the same authority. 
and you have, I mean, you have to be a Christian to have that authority. It's Absolutely. just like, uh, Jennifer, what is, what is that story where, um, the, the, the sons of Sceva. Yeah. Where he's like, um, I, I know Jesus and I know Paul, Paul, but I ain't got a clue who you are. So oh yeah. If, I remember that. If, if Jennifer didn't have yeah. the authority that she has, just like we all do, they would laugh at me. They would, they wouldn't do, it wouldn't matter. They would just laugh. Yeah. And mine all like to say no, by the way. Yes, they did. They all said no originally. It's just like, no. And, and of course, like go. <laughs> okay, fine. Of course, they also. I, I did a lot. I did a lot of laughing. I, I'm going to go ahead and just suggest if you ever decide to go mainstream with this and get commercials done, have Palmer do your commercials. I had anxiety. That is a perfect way to to, to sell the program. I had anxiety about going in there. Now I don't. Now it's gone. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, when you come into a body, oh my gosh, you may come in with anxiety, but you will leave free. That's right. Please go to jennifermillerministries.com and sign up for your session today. See, there you go. There you go. We'll snip that and use it. Just Just drop everything. We're running a spot real quick. That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, and you know, if somebody is interested in going through this program, yes. that's a great way for them to actually. Absolutely. Is Jennifer yes. Miller Ministries. Plural. Yep, it's plural. And when you go in there, it's under Encounter, um, and it's the very first thing. And so you can scroll through and, and awesome. see what it is. And and so Jennifer, just for our listeners out there, is there a cost to go through this program? So if you want to just do the class and a session with me. I do that on a donation basis, and okay. I really do leave that up to you. I don't put a, a particular amount on it. If you want to continue on past that and get trained, then there are costs associated with each phase of training, and that's outlined on my website. So if you awesome. scroll all the way to the bottom, there's an information sheet for training that has more of established fee uh, schedule. But for uh, the class and a session, I just do it for whatever the Lord puts on your heart uh, to uh, to make a donation. Uh, the I have the participant guide is also available on Amazon. So if anybody wanted to buy the participant guide and kind of thumb through it and just see what it's about, just kind of ahead of time yeah. and uh, and have it on hand kind of a thing. Because then well, when I do meet up with them, if we're going to do it over Zoom or what have you, you already have it. But um, you can kind of see what it is. And yeah. I'll tell you, it's all biblical. hundred. I don't teach right. anything if it's not grounded in the Bible. So this is biblical. Awesome. No, well, I say go in cold, scared like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> Full of anxiety. So you can get that uh, with the psoas muscle growing. <laughs> I can add a psoas release session to it. Like if you want to go. <laughs> I know how to do that too. If I'd have known that was possible, I'd have just had you shake the crap out of me. Just sitting here. Just... Well, as much stuff that was in Palmer, he would have been, been probably shaking for days. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the church that's, uh, you know, not very far from the uh, church office was shaking when we were done after my session. <laughs> was it groundbreaking? Yeah, it was groundbreaking. Oh, it was thundering so, and lightning and everything. So what we'll do is we'll just, we'll put your website in the show notes of this episode. If you're listening, find the show notes. All that information will be there, hopefully, if we can figure out how to do that. Palmer, get on that. <laughs> and we'll try to link the book on Amazon. We'll have that in there, too. So uh, so y'all be good to go, and you can start looking through that and prepare yourself if you want to, to go through that. Or if you also want to, to teach this course, mm-hmm. uh, you go through it first, and then you can 
then you can you know kind of start you know spreading it yourself and uh i'm assuming all that's on the website as well it correct? is yep awesome 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 well jennifer we are out of time uh Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for stopping by and and sharing with us. I have learned a lot. Drew, what about you? Have have you learned anything? I know Palmer has. Absolutely. Like, I'm probably going to go on this thing and sign up, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, just because I I just already know that I've got a lot of unhealed stuff that I need work on. You know, I need work on, period. I'm just not even going to lie about it. Don't worry. I signed you up during this episode. Thanks. Appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I mean, and I also like how you said did that you, the, you know boxes the, the lessons okay. can be done Zoom because oh. we have so many listeners who are not local. We have right. so many listeners that are across the country and across the world, and they can do the lessons yep. uh, through Zoom. So I, I love that. So Yeah, and yeah. I also think that would be pretty awesome is, is for this to, you know, Jennifer brought this from California, basically, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. right, Jennifer? Yes. Awesome. And so Jennifer brought this from California. How awesome would it be just like y'all's episode that went, you know, overseas and Beirut. changed a whole Beirut um, t- changed a whole um, wow. village. Village, how awesome would it be for people to be go through this program and then take this all the way across the world and just help change people who right. are suffering, just like we are, and don't realize why we're suffering. Yeah, and that's and it really is different. And so, people who, if you've seen deliverance videos on on TikTok and YouTube. I don't do that. I, I, I do not allow demons to do displays of power. I do not put on a show. I don't, that, that's not what this is about. And my own mentor, she said, if it's not loving, it's not Jesus. Right. And so what we do is loving and nothing's going to happen to you against your will. Like nothing, you're not, you're not going to be flopping on the floor. Your head's not going to turn. Your head's not going to turn around. You're not going to climb up walls. No, it's none of that. It's none of that. So put all the Hollywood stuff aside, ignore the social media. This, this is coming from a heart of healing. Yeah. I mean, I'll spit up the the green super. Nope. None of that. All jokes aside. I mean, I I know I like to bring the comedy to here, but all jokes aside, you know, you've heard how sweet and loving Jennifer's voice been this whole time. And she's the exact same when you're doing your session. Um, she is very commanding to, to these spirits that, that, uh, that you have a hold of basically. And you're refusing to let go, but, um, it is very, very loving. And if you go in with your mind completely open, then you will feel like the monkey has got off your back. I mean, completely. Yeah. So all my fellow, Addicts in Recovery, our Celebrate Recovery family. Uh, this goes out to y'all. Uh, y'all can find freedom. Just uh, it's a click away at her website, which will be in the show notes. And thank y'all for tuning in to a, another episode of the Understand Recovery Podcast. I hope that you have found it helpful, and I hope that you have found it encouraging. If you are wanting some more recovery content, visit our brand new website. That's unashamedrecovery.com. And there you can find more recovery content as well as sobriety and recovery themed blogs to take you deeper into your sobriety and recovery journeys. And also, I don't know if y'all have noticed this, we also have Bible reading plans on the website. That's on there under resources. You can find all kinds of good stuff over there. Also, Recovery fam, check out more amazing recovery podcasts over at our friends Take 12 Recovery Radio, Recovery Podcast Network. That link is on our website and also in the show notes. That's all for this episode. Remember to stay sober and above all else to keep on 12-stepping as you stay 
unashamed. unashamed. We love y'all. Tip your waitresses. <laughs>